today's episode, we talk about estimations and some different techniques you can use at the team level to make them more effective. You're listening to the Iteration Station. Welcome and thank you for joining us on today's Iteration Station episode. I'm your host, Jake Gosho, as always, joined by Brett. Brett, how are you? Doing well. I uh, Today we're here to kind of talk a little bit about estimations, um, some different things just about them, ways to, to get a little better and, and things like that. So um, I think primarily we'll be talking about story points, maybe we'll talk a little bit of project-length stuff as well, but uh, kind of excited to explore this a little bit more as estimations, especially in newer Agile teams, can be kind of a difficult thing to grasp and to get everybody on the same page on. Yeah, and I think we've seen that kind of trouble happen as we've been transitioning from more traditional time-based estimates and then moving into the story point estimation. You see a lot of developers that are going to struggle to release the concept of time from their estimations. And they'll even see it as you're estimating the story points, they'll be tying those points back into time. Um, which then kind of subverts the entire reason you're doing story points to begin with. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing uh, on, on one of my older teams that we had was we'd, we'd run into cases where just kind of how people scheduled out and did work around the team, uh, somebody's one-point story might be somebody else's five-point story, or in their minds, that's how they thought about it. And so getting to, to change that mindset to know this is how, what a team, what the team thinks a three is, you know, or what the team thinks a one or a five is, uh, has, has kind of it's just kind of a journey that you go on and I mean, some of this discussion kind of is assuming that our, our listeners are familiar with story points in general so I don't right. know if we want to kind of yeah. dial it back a little bit yeah and talk let's, about that. let's back that up a little bit sure. so when we're talking about story points we're talking about um, a completely uh, made up metric that we use to assign the work that goes into a story uh, traditionally they're assigned using a Fibonacci sequence so instead of estimating like 1 through 10 uh, we use one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen. We keep going. You keep adding the previous number to the number that you're on to get the next number. It's a little math lesson for you guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the Fibonacci sequence, there it is. Um, but the goal of that is it says that as as the stories get bigger, as more work uh, is added to whatever the task is that we're talking about, it becomes harder and harder to figure out exactly how much effort it is. So it increases the gaps in between those metrics. So the difference between a five and an eight is smaller than the eight and the 13 because as the story grows that large, there's more ambiguity that, that comes into it. So it kind of accounts for that. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, the system has worked for us over the last five, six years here. So I think, you know, it's something that has been pretty well tested in industry. Um, but at, at the same time, you see it just individual team levels have I mean, every dynamic's a little bit different in in how that works. So, you, you know, you see so many different challenges within an organization, especially if you have a leader or an executive leadership team that isn't like all in on agile. They might try to just you know compare two teams. Here's which number's bigger, and then why isn't the other ones yeah. you know, keeping up? Yeah. Have you had to deal with that in the past? The managers comparing the teams and their numbers and metrics. I don't think so. Ever directly, at least within like. From a development manager standpoint, I don't think we run into that. Uh, you know, maybe a few times in the past, but never really in our area have we had that direct comparison made. But I, we've heard about it. You yeah, know, certainly not not even necessarily in other places in the organization, but at at conferences and things, or they're just talking with other people in software development, kind of struggling through that. Yeah, I have served on a team where, as a developer, where we were being compared against a different team, 
Um, and uh, it was called into question, why is this other team delivering more points than you're delivering? Um, but, but we had to continue the coaching upward, I guess, of these numbers are 100% made up and they're all relative to the stories that we have in our backlog that are specific to our team. And so our velocity and our metrics aren't going to, you can't compare them to another team's metrics. It's just, it's such a hard thing to sell to someone who doesn't want to hear it. I mean, when, when they say, hey, you know, they're, essentially their score is higher than yours. Why aren't you scoring higher? And then your answer is, well, the points are all made up. Like, <laughs> right, it's, exactly. it's like an episode of whose line is it anyways? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what strategies there are to kind of help with that on, you know, with, with how do you how do you kind of get the organizational support and the senior leadership level of, hey, this, everything's okay, trust me, but don't look at the only metrics we're giving you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and I think part of that, there's a little bit of insecurity that comes up in there, uh, especially if you don't have that degree of trust between the management and the team. If the, the management says, okay, we're trusting that the team is performing as optimally as they can given their environment, then I shouldn't care about the metrics that are being used. And I guess it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that they're made up. They're not made up. They're they're assigned relative to each other, but they're only relevant to the team itself. Right. So, and I think that makes it fair, right, for that leader or whoever is looking to compare the current state of the velocity to that team's previous state and say, hey, is this? Let's, let's try to see this trend line go up. Not necessarily against a different team, but against themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's a great metric for a team to be retrospective and figure out. You know, did our numbers drop off? Did our velocity drop off? Why is that? Did we have a spike in velocity? Why is that? And try and figure out what are the things on the team that are working or aren't working. Right. And I think that applies to all the metrics we track, but we'll probably have a separate metrics-oriented episode <laughs> later. We're yeah. supposed to be talking a little bit more about estimation here. So For sure. Um, I, I wanted to talk about one of the challenges we have um, on our team with estimations in terms of when it's, when it's kind of known who on the team is going to do the work. Um, so all of our teams support some of our legacy apps. Uh, you know, we have several that are all kind of dead apps that rarely come up uh, in terms of support issues that we have. And um, there's members on our teams that have various expertise in those specific legacy apps for whatever reason. So if we do have a support issue that we're taking care of and we're doing an estimate on it, everyone kind of knows who's going to do that work. Um, and that can lead to like kind of an awkward estimation where everyone's <laughs> looking at that person and then just mimics what they say because right. you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter because we all know that they're going to pick it up. What, I, I mean, that seems like it's like it's a bad practice to me. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. You know, these these should be things that are getting retired over time. Anyways, does that really matter? What's what's kind of your yeah. perspective on that? So it's interesting to bring that up. So the way that we actually execute. Uh, estimations here. We do it two different ways. One of them is like the throw your fingers up with how many points you count down to from three and then everybody throws yeah, up however yeah. many fingers. And that's kind of the more common one. You bring up an interesting point. The where, planning poker yeah. method. Yeah. Well, actually the planning poker method, that's the second method, is where we actually do have a deck of cards. And one of the teams I know right now uses that deck of cards. And so you actually, you, it's really hard to be like, oh, I'm a little bit slower on the draw. And when you use your fingers, you can still you get can a measure. Of, and you can kind of fudge it a little bit. You yeah, know? Yeah. And, and kind of go with the flow, but with the card, you're committed to an estimate, and I actually prefer that method because for this exact reason is, if you have one person who's the knowledge silo on the team, it forces everybody to make a guess, right. and and if you're way off, then that forces conversation, and then the, the knowledge silo has to actually talk through, well, this is the work, this is what it looks like, and they kind of spread that knowledge out. Yeah, And that's kind of the goal that we have with the cross-functional team, is you don't really want work coming in 
that only one person can do. You want that work that's coming in to be able to be done by just about any member of the, of the team. And this helps facilitate that. And then that kind of says, hey, you know what, because we have that knowledge silo, maybe this is a good opportunity for pair coding or, or some sort of knowledge transfer. Right. You can build that into the sprint. Yeah, I, I mean, you bring up a good point in the kind of the ad hoc way that we do estimations most frequently. I think most teams just kind of use their hands to kind of guess. Yeah. But I I, I mean, just the, the picking a card, kind of sliding it forward and then revealing it, I think that does spur a lot more conversation. Um, yeah, I gotta. Yeah. We gotta switch to that. Is kind of what I'm realizing because we, I I've seen it before where right. you have one person kind of change their estimate. Yeah. Right at the beginning to try to match the crowd, yeah, which is exactly. not really appropriate. And so. but there there are times that that's okay. Like we do uh, because we're using the scaled agile framework. We do feature grooming sessions. In those feature grooming sessions, we actually chose to use the hand method of estimation as opposed to the cards because. The team's very uh, mature there, and and people will, of course, like throw up, I don't really know, and, and kind of make a guess, because we, we do have a lot of knowledge silos in that space, but uh, because of the maturity of the team, the conversation still happens, and that's really the core of it, is, right. you know, if you're creating a process to facilitate conversation, it's really extra process if the conversation is going to happen anyways. Yeah, and, and that's just it with the cards, is it... It basically forces you to say, I don't know. And I think there right. even is a card for that, right? Yeah, there's, there's like a question, question mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that prompts some of the discussion that can kind of make it happen instead of just like conforming to, to the most knowledgeable right. person, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a technique I need to start, you know, encouraging the team to use because I think that will spur some of that conversation. Yeah, it's a good, a good tool to have in the toolbox for sure. What about, uh, like, so you talked about feature grooming and feature estimation a little mm -hmm. bit. How... What are some differences that you see or that you kind of find that little like little unique bits between a normal sprint planning, a normal sprint estimation, and those uh, longer term feature grooming type estimations? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because there's a lot more when it comes to the estimation and from a safe construct at the feature level than there is uh, at the story level on the teams. But, but in you know Scrum Agile, you still have like epic estimations and things like that that are kind of similar in, yeah. in scope at least. Yeah, um, it's a lot harder and because the people that are in the room at that epic or that feature level, uh, they're not the same people as uh, who's actually doing the work on the yeah. teams and sometimes you're estimating different things. So at the feature level and say if you're estimating things like business value uh, and other things like that. So so you're estimating the actual work a lot less in, in, that, in that format with the features and the epics. Uh, so it's good to have somebody, a technical representative, in the room uh, who will kind of feed into that the the work level estimates. Yeah, um, and for us, we use what team leads and an architect yeah. just to kind of cover some of those bases and yep. bring in some of the technical knowledge that we might not otherwise have. Yeah, and then and that again is just to facilitate discussion, and it's a great opportunity for people who normally don't get exposure to the amount of right. effort to do something. Uh, they get to be part of that conversation. Uh, and they get to learn about you know different aspects of their organization they normally wouldn't have exposure to. Right, and I think it cuts the other way too because a lot of times our our developers are mainly working with other developers, and so getting to hear from you know the product managers, um, some of the business stakeholders, just on kind of what's important to them, 
it, it can open, I think, open their mind a little bit on what are these other things that we should be considering when we do this estimation? Should we bring up ideas of, hey, if we're already in this area of the code base or wherever, maybe we can quick slip in some of this stuff and, and fill out some of that for a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, I think it just allows for more options when you're doing that estimation. Yeah, so. I think it's a huge thing. I think there's a, there's a big separation in a lot of organizations between uh, what the business wants uh, and what their actual goals are and what the development teams are actually working on. And if you miss out on what that vision is or what the goals are from the business, if that doesn't get communicated to the teams, then the teams aren't going to have the context for decision making at their level. So right. that vision is huge. And that's one way that we can feed into that vision for the teams. <laughs> that's another thing that we could do a full episode on is kind of how the business and the team and the you know the IT department, if it's a big enterprise, kind of work together to, to fit in those priorities. But yeah, for sure. uh, just keeping it focused a little bit on estimations for today, um, I, I wanted to ask you, and we talked a little bit before we started recording on just when you're estimating your story points, time versus effort, or what exactly are you estimating? Because this, especially in newer teams that are getting started up or someone who hasn't been a part of an estimation, an agile estimation at all, gets really kind of confused about and can have a hard time kind of struggling with. Yeah, yeah, and there's some different methodologies uh, or different ideas around how to go about making that change. Uh, if you look at the safe documentation, they talk about if you're a new team and you're first starting off, then you take each person that's on the team, and if you're doing a two-week iteration, then each person gets eight points. And so the, you can kind of loosely say, all right, well, that's eight. Every point is a day. Every point is yeah. a day, and then you've got 20% overhead in there. And so, but now you've directly tied that that time to, or that, that point to time. And then when you start estimating, then you start saying like, oh, this is about a day, so it's one point. That's about two days, so it's two points. So you wanna, if you're a scrum master or if you're on an agile team, you wanna do what you can to get away from that mindset of saying like one point is one day. Um, you really have to take a look at the work itself and relative to each other, what's the size of the work? Because as soon as you start saying that one point is about one day, then you're tying those points to time. And we all know that we don't know the amount of work that's gonna go into a story directly. And so as you get into a story, uh, as you get into work, you're gonna find things that you weren't expecting. And if you're tied to time, then you're communicating deadlines around the work, and you don't wanna do that. You wanna make sure you've got that room for ambiguity. You don't want there to be any confusion around, hey, we, we're doing knowledge work here. This isn't you know line work where we know exactly how long right. it takes to do each right. step. Yeah, and, I, and that's just it, is, is getting the understanding that this is, this is stuff that we've got to think about that we've got to uncover a little bit more and more, right? Like, you don't, if, if you're solving a, a crime, you're not telling your boss at the police station how long it's going to take you to, <laughs> right. to catch the, you know, the, the, the suspects. Yeah, yeah so, that's a really good analogy. Um, yeah, I, I was worried about where that would land because I didn't come in prepared with that. So uh, no, that's good. We'll, uh, I'm going to see. But, uh, that one. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just it, right? Like, it's, it's, you're detective in a yeah. lot of ways in in the software products that you're working on. So yeah, absolutely. Um, that that helps. That not I wouldn't even call it a cushion. It's more of just the understanding the the things we don't understand. Yeah. Um, and being ready to adapt for those. Yeah. There's a certain amount of uh, arrogance in saying this work will take me eight days to complete because right. you're saying I know everything that I need to know to be able to do this work and it's gonna take me eight days. Yeah. It's kind of, it undermines the discovery of, of the software development process. Right, right. yeah, and, and I think that's what it comes down to, and that's such a hard 
hard like path to go on because you know oftentimes if you're working with a budget, your uh, project managers want to know how many hours this is going to be. I mean, that's at the right. end of the day, that's what they're asking, and so you're providing a oftentimes a definitive guess. I don't know about you, I haven't had a lot of luck with telling them a range of, hey, this will take anywhere from 80 to 160 hours. That's, <laughs> right, yeah. that's not very helpful yeah. uh, for the stuff they're looking for. So it can be tricky to just navigate that within the enterprise of what different people are asking for. Yep. And you know the, the end answer, I think, is educate as much as you can on the process and, and just be transparent about how it works. Of, yeah. Hey, we think it'll be about this much, but you know it's plus or minus 20% or whatever it yeah. is um, on that end. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to call out. We're not saying that you can't give estimates on when things will be delivered, especially after your few sprints in on a new team and you've got a baseline kind of velocity established. You can start to make some educated guesses as to when things are going to be delivered. And that is really what the business is looking for, is, right. is kind of providing that predictability to them. And like you said, understanding that there's some variation or variability in that. Um, and it's not a committed deadline, it's more of a forecast of when things are going to get done. And that gets refined. Every iteration you get to see how much, how close you were to what you thought you were going to get done, um, or how much extra you, you got done. And so you can, as long as you're communicating constantly, how are you tracking to that original estimate? And what's the new estimate? And that, that might actually be the most important part about estimates is that at the time when you make them is probably the least important thing you do. It's <laughs> looking back afterwards and saying, how close were we? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which really can empower you in the future knowing, hey, we're generally off by X percent or whatever it is. And so we can give like a little bit more of a range to the business to, right. to kind of work with. Yep. Um, so what? any any final thoughts on estimations? Any, any last big thing you you'd recommend people know if, if they only take one thing away from the podcast? I mean, I've made it through however long it's been. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you're not using story points, I think um, diving in and trying story points is really uh, gonna be beneficial to your team as long as, and this is even if you are using them, you have to break that connection between a story point and some sort of unit of time. You've gotta divorce those two things in your mind and free yourself up to really say, this is work relative to the work that we're doing and relative to the work that we have done before. Yeah, I, I mean, and if you're estimating in hours right now, like how often are you right? Like, it, it, can it <laughs> yeah. get any worse if you if you switch to this yeah, exactly. other system? So, exactly. Um, I think that's a that's a, a great kind of final thought to have. And uh, thank you for for tuning in today. And I, I hope we kind of helped you out with some of the stuff that uh, we've seen with estimations and can help inform you going forward. Thanks. Mm-hmm.